healing is possible. We share stories of people everywhere who have healed from their diagnoses. Powered by HealthRevolution.org I'm your host, Dr. Anup Kumar. Welcome to the Healing is Possible podcast. My guest today is Jim McNamara. Jim was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, where he currently resides. He worked in sales and is now retired. He has four kids and many, many more grandkids. And, you know, his he's going to tell us about his journey of healing with plant-based nutrition. So, Jim, take it away. Please share with us your story of healing. All right. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, again, my name is Jim McNamara. Most folks call me Mac. Uh, I'm currently 70 years old, uh, and uh, as Dr. Doctor said, I, I grew up in Cleveland, and you know, I was pretty much health health issue free. I never really had to deal with any big major health issues. Uh, although my father passed away at the age of 42 of a massive heart attack, uh, when they did the autopsy, uh, they realized there was there was some scar tissue. So apparently, he had a previous uh, heart attack, but he never knew it, or at least he never told anybody about it. Um, so as far as heredity goes, I mean, it's, it's in my bloodlines. Uh, and I, I've always been aware of that. And of course, you carry that thought with you throughout your whole life. You know, you're worried about, you know, that you, you, you have to watch what you eat, and watch your, your health as best you can. Um, but as I have learned that uh, just because you have it in your bloodlines doesn't mean that you have to fall victim to it. Um, as I said, I was pretty healthy most of my life growing up, uh, and all of that changed uh, when I was 55 years old. Uh, I had a stroke, uh, and it, it just came out of the blue. Um, I was at home, I remember, and two of the kids were home, and I just couldn't hang on to anything. My left hand, I just kept dropping everything, and it felt like my left hand was like, like there was a rubber band on that, and my elbow was just... I couldn't really control it. And it was like, I couldn't move it slowly. It would just like snap up. And, and I knew something was wrong. Uh, we went to the hospital and we're in the emergency room. Uh, and then they finally take us in and they ran a few tests. And I told my wife, I said, you know, it's almost like I've had a stroke. And thinking that that was the furthest thing from the truth. But, uh, and then of course, 10 minutes later, the doctor came in and he says, hey, we've had a stroke. And uh, which it, it was surprising, but yet not surprising just because of the, the symptoms I was dealing with. Um, and they said that the left carotid artery uh, was, I forget the percentage, but I think it was about 95, 98% blocked. He says, we need to go in there and clean that out immediately, uh, which they did. And that was at the local hospital here in town. Um, and you know, you're, 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 you're rushed in there and all this is taken by surprise and, and you really don't have time to sit down and make a rational decision. You just figure, well, I'll do what the doctors tell me to do. So uh, they did, they, they operated, I think that night uh, on the carotid artery. And I remember going back for my first follow-up with the surgeon at that hospital, which was what, a, a week later, three days later after I came home. And they put the Doppler on, on my carotid and they couldn't find a pulse on the very carotid that they operated on. And he called another doctor into the, to his office and the two of them are there. Well, right now I know that something's not right and this is not good. 
and the doctor, I remember him telling me that he says, it's gone. And I thought, it's gone. Uh, but he says, yes, it's occluded. He says, I've never seen this before, which is one thing you don't want to hear from your surgeon. <laughs> um, so I says, well, what do we do now? And he says, well, he says, you're still a young man. He says, your right carotid artery, although it's blocked, it's not blocked significantly yet. He says, so watch your diet, get exercise, and uh, just kind of keep an eye on it. So away we went and we recovered. Uh, I think I was off work, I don't know, for nine months or so, recovering from, from the stroke. Uh, went back to work and things were just going along fine. But then I started noticing some cramping in my left calf when I would walk. Uh, and the distance I would walk before I noticed that cramping became shorter and shorter as time progressed. And I coupled that with at night when I would go to, to sleep at night, about, I don't know, about an hour, two hours after I was laying there, I would notice my left foot would get cold and tingly. Neuropathy, as I found out later. Um, and I would have to drop my leg over the side of the bed, get some blood down there to circulate, you know, circulating and uh, then I could go back to sleep again. And it started happening every single night that I would go to bed. I gotta tell you, I still remember that feeling of jumping into bed thinking, I know I'm gonna be woken up again and I know something's not right down there. And um, I had been seeing a vascular doctor for, for quite a period of time and, and uh, was telling him about the cramping. And he says, well, he says, just try to walk through it. And he says, when you're um, your, your style of living becomes affected. He says, we'll, we'll address that issue. Well, when you can't walk down to the corner very much, I think that qualifies as starting to affect your, your, your style of living. So he sent me to a vascular surgeon um, and talking to him, he explained to me after doing many, many, many tests and ultrasounds and, and he said, well, he said, you've got peripheral artery disease. Uh, which in your case is there's some blockage in your left leg in one of the arteries that's not permitting the blood to get down to your foot. And you gotta get, you can't carry the oxygen down there for the muscles when they're, demand, when they're asking for it. And he told me at the time, he says, you basically have uh, three decisions or three, uh, three choices. Uh, one, we can go in and put a stent in and try to open up that artery and get the blood flowing. Uh, number two, we could do bypass surgery, attempt to totally bypass that blockage. He said, and of course, your third choice is to do nothing at all and eventually lose your foot to the disease. Uh, well, I quickly discarded that third option. Uh, uh, and, and the stents obviously sounded the least, uh, least invasive, so that's what we did. Um, I remember coming to right after the surgery and the doctor was actually standing next to me and he explained to me that they didn't even try to put a stent in. He said, once we got in there, he says, uh, we realized that the blockage was so great that it would have served no purpose to put the stent in. He said, so we're going to have to look at doing a bypass. So I recovered from, from that in a short time later. I mean, in a matter of weeks, we went in to start doing testing for the, uh, for the bypass surgery on my leg. But during the testing, they discovered that my right carotid, my remaining good one and only carotid artery was blocked to the point where the surgeon, he said, I don't feel comfortable doing such an invasive surgery with that much blockage. He says, we need to clean that right carotid artery out. Um, and I was a little, that was probably the scariest of all the surgeries that I've had. 
only because to this day, we don't know why the left carotid occluded. Uh, I don't know, the surgeons don't know, and, and believe me, I went to specialists and, and they tried their best to get that, that figured out, but uh, uh, to, we still don't know why. So now I'm thinking, okay, what's to prevent the very same thing from happening to the right carotid? And if, if that does happen, where does that leave me? Um, I'm no doctor or anything, but I know that you probably should have at least one carotid artery in order to kind of maintain things. Yeah. Uh, but I was scared. I was really scared to death. Um, and as I look back, I, I think in my adult life, I made three major health decisions. Uh, I stopped drinking in 1978. Uh, in 1995, I quit smoking. And some would say 11 years ago, I quit eating. But uh, nothing could be further from the truth on that one. But all three of those decisions had one common denominator. And that was I was scared. I mean, I was scared to death. I didn't know what, what to do in either of those situations. So now I'm looking at this right carotid surgery and I felt, well, what choice do I have? I, I gotta do it. Um, so the, this was a different surgeon, by the way, that did the first uh, surgery. Um, they did the carotid artery surgery and it was successful, uh, which was good news. So now I can go get my bypass surgery done on my left leg. Um, and we went in to do, to do the surgery, and, uh, which involved taking a vein from my right leg and putting it into my left leg. And I mean, it was, pretty, it was, the, uh, it was a pretty uh, drastic operation. I just remember that. Um, the morning after that surgery, still, I was in the hospital for about a week, 10 days, uh, recovering from that surgery. Uh, and man, I'll tell you what, I had staples up and down my leg like you wouldn't believe it. It was just phenomenal. And again, having not had to deal with any major surgeries my whole life, this was just, this was just overwhelming. Um, but the morning after the surgery, they came into my hospital room and they had their little portable Doppler radar. And he's down around my, my left ankle and he couldn't find a pulse on the very leg that they did the surgery on the night before. And he said, there's got to be a clot in there. They did some tests and says, there's a clot somewhere in that bypass. We need to go in immediately and try to remove that clot in order to save the bypass. Okay, so here we go again, which involved yet another uh, scar behind my left, uh, my ankle bone, where they went up in to try and remove this, this clot. Well, they did, or I thought they did. Um, and I went back after getting out of the hospital I uh, went back for my first uh, follow-up visit with that surgeon and uh, he couldn't find a pulse on the left foot still. Um, so he basically told me you're back to where we started from. There's really nothing more that I can do surgically for you. And I mean, what do you do when your surgeon tells you that there's nothing more that he can do? Uh, and that was pretty much the last resort. I remember going to my regular general practitioner uh, about a month later, and he told me that he wanted me to go see a pre-diabetes doctor after looking at my most current blood work. And he said, your, your glucose and sugar levels are knocking on the door of pre-diabetes. And I, I just, it hit me like a tidal wave. I just thought to myself, why, why is all this happening? And as I look back, I realize now that there's a lot of people out there that are going through a lot more than I had to go through. 
but again, for not having many health issues throughout my life, it was just, it was overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so again, I felt uh, coming home, told my wife, I said, I, I don't know what to do. Well, my vascular doctor had told me throughout my visits to him through the years uh, about this crazy doctor he worked with up in Cleveland, uh, Dr. Resselston. And he said, he, he, he was a, a surgeon. He says, but now he does nothing but study vascular issues and tries to figure how to reverse heart disease. And he said, through all his work, he believes that you can not only prevent, but reverse heart disease and cardiovascular disease through a plant-based diet. And uh, again, being an Irish Catholic kid, we had meat and potatoes just every night of the week. And uh, my mom made ground beef in every way, shape or form you could think of. And um, I thought, man, there's no way I could do that. Are you kidding me? Give up meat? And, and what I found out later, it was not only giving up meat, but giving up fish, giving up dairy, uh, giving up oil. Uh, and again, when you look at that and you first hear that, it's like, you got to be kidding me. That's impossible. Uh, but I've been doing it for 11 years now, and I'm here to tell you it's not impossible. And in fact, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so we made a call to Dr. Resselston, and uh, he had an opening in his monthly seminar in Cleveland uh, that Friday. So we signed up, and, and, uh, and away we went. Uh, again, that was 11 years ago. And I remember walking out of that seminar thinking, I got to try this, but uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Um, but boy, don't sell yourself short because it's amazing what you can do when, when, when you feel like you're out of options. Um, so that was, like I say, 11 years ago. And uh, I, still, every, I still stay in touch with the Yeslitz. And in fact, he, they asked me once in a while to share my story uh, at their seminar uh, every month, uh, which I'm thrilled to do. Um, because number one, it helps me. It kind of keeps me on the straight and narrow and kind of reminds me how important it is to stay true to myself and, and stay the course. Um, but I mean, a lot has changed in those, these 11 years and, and, and uh, a few of the things, I lost 45 pounds right out of the gate and those 45 pounds have never come back. Um, I don't worry about diets now because everything I eat is good for me and I eat as much as I want. Uh, believe me, plant-based eaters can eat a lot of food. <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. but it's all good. You know, that's the beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I open my fridge up and there's, there, everything, everything is there. Yeah. Um, and it's all, all healthy. Um, some of the benefits that I've realized, um, number one, I no longer fear going to see the doctor. And I remember Oh, I got a doctor's appointment this week. Oh, what's he going to tell me? You know, what am I going to have to go? What am I going to have to go through? What's he going to discover? I actually look forward to going to my doctor every six months uh, because I know that I'm in better shape than I was the last time I saw him. I get my blood work done at least once a year. Um, and my cholesterol has been in double digits for 10 years now. Uh, and that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I asked my doctor, I said, doc, if, if I were a new patient coming in off the street, would you put me on a statin? And he says, no. And I says, well, I was on 80 milligrams of uh, Lipitor. And uh, I asked my doctor, can I cut it down to 40? And he was so hesitant to do so. And he said, because of your history. And I think he believes that 90% of his patients 
would not stay the course on this plant-based diet. And I don't know that I could argue with them or not, but yeah. I also feel that I think that should be the patient's decision and, and let me try. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember I said to him, Doc, I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go home and I'm going to break those 80 milligram Lipitors in half, and I'm going to start taking 40. And we're going to continue to monitor my blood work. And if it doesn't continue to drop or if it starts rising up, if it starts rising up, I'll go back on the 80 milligrams. But if it doesn't, I'm staying on 40. Well, it stayed, not only did it stay low, it, it dropped a little bit more. I was just looking at my records. I had a total cholesterol level of 65 on one of my sheets here. And I asked my doctor, Doc, can my cholesterol be too low? And he said, I don't know. He said, I never had to deal with that. So, but like I say, it stayed at double digits. I and then I told my doctor again, a short time later, doc, I'm gonna go write me a new prescription I, I'm, for 20 milligrams. I'm gonna cut those in half again, which I did. And again, my cholesterol level still in the double digits. It hasn't gotten above hundred yet in all this time. Um, so I'm still working on them to get it down to zero to get totally off of it. And I understand he's hesitant to do it. I, I understand it, but by gosh, I, and I figured that if I tell him I'm doing it, he's not really taking me off. I'm the one that's initiating this and maybe he'll be a little more receptive to it. And he is. Uh, although it's funny because in these 11 years, he has yet to pat me on the back and say, man, keep up the good work on that plant-based diet. It's really working for you. Uh -huh. He stopped short of, of accrediting my health success to a plant-based living, but, but I, and that's okay. I don't mind that. Mm -hmm. um, after the surgery, the surgeon put me on Coumadin. Now, I don't know if anybody out there has been on Coumadin, the blood thinner, but oh boy, high maintenance. Every month, get your blood work done. Um, and my surgeon left town. He went to another hospital and my vascular doctor wanted to hook me up with another surgeon just in case something were to go wrong, just so I'd have somebody who would know my story. So I did, and uh, a real nice doctor. I really liked him. Uh, fortunately, I've only seen him the one time, so that's a good news. Uh, but I asked him, I said, I'm on Coumadin, and, and, and what do I got to do to get off this Coumadin? Because the first surgeon told me that I would be on Coumadin for the rest of my life. And I just thought, oh, no way. And the funny thing about Coumadin is you're not, you're supposed to avoid green leafy vegetables. I guess the vitamin K spike, spikes it in me. And I told Dr. Resselstein, I said, Dr. I'm on Coumadin. They want me to cut back on the green leafy vegetables, but you're telling me basically I should eat six times, six servings a day of these green leafy vegetables. And he gave me some great advice. He says, you tell them to adjust your Coumadin level to your diet, not the other way around. He says, any doctor worth his salt is not going to tell you not to eat the healthiest foods in the world, you know, for, for better health. So that's what I did. Uh, but meanwhile, I convinced this new surgeon. It didn't take much. He looked at my blood work and my numbers and everything and how long I was, my blood, my cholesterol was down in the very healthy range. And he said, I don't think you need to be on this Coumadin. So let's take you off of that. Well, gosh, that was about eight years ago. And I was, I was thrilled. That in itself is worth going plant-based just to get off that medication. Yeah. Um, I was taking uh, hydroxychloroquine for my arthritis and I thought, you know what, I'm going to get off of this too and see if there's any effect. Well, I got off of that. Gosh, that was, I think, 2015. I got off the, the arthritis medication and um, still not on it. 
so it, as far as medications go, it's been tremendous. And I, I really believe it's because of my, my plant-based lifestyle. Uh, and what that is, as I mentioned briefly before, it's, uh, it's no meat, no fish, no dairy, uh, and no oil. And that's the, the tough one, oil, because I tell you, oil is hiding in everything. You go get your, and, and it's all whole grains. It's no, no white flour or wheat. It's all, if the, if, if the product doesn't say whole in front of it, I don't get it. But even some of the whole wheat breads you look at, read the ingredients, the last thing in there is soybean oil or, yeah. or some kind of oil that's sucked in there. Well, I just put it back on the shelf. And there's products out there. You just have to, I learned, you have to read the labels. And I've gotten quite good at that, actually. Um, that uh, I, I get ultrasounds done every year. It was every six months on my left on my left leg as well as both carotid arteries. Now the left one is gone, so I don't know why they continue to monitor that. But maybe there's something else they're looking for. I don't know. But I still every year down at the Cleveland Clinic I get the ultrasounds uh, on my leg, both legs actually, and both carotids. And there has been absolutely no progression uh, of the arterial disease. Uh, I, we stopped at Dead Mitt's tracks. Uh, the one time uh, the doctor said, well, there's no change in it. And I said, you mean it's exactly the same? He says, well, there's actually a slight improvement, but it falls into the no change category. So that's, that's how we say it. And I said, doc, I'm taking that as a win. I'll yeah. take that slight little improvement. Yeah. Uh, so we basically stopped that in its tracks. Uh, during the summer, I ride my bike miles and miles every day. Uh, and I try to walk uh, every day. And I still get a little, uh, a little cramping in my left calf. It's nothing like it used to be at all. Uh, I'm still able to walk, you know, pretty good distances. Um, one of the best things is that tingling, that annoying tingling sensation in my left foot is gone. And I wish I would have kept better track as to how far into my plant-based journey it was before that subsided. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can tell you this, it wasn't but a matter of a couple, couple of months. Wow. Uh, Man, I go to bed now and I, I don't even think about, I'm not even worried about that, that left foot waking me up because it, it's gone. Yeah. Um, again, as I said earlier, I, I love going to see my doctor because I no longer fear sitting in, you know how you, you sit there, you're sitting in the white room, you got your little gown on and you're, you're yeah. just waiting for him to come back in the room to give you the bad news, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I no longer have that feeling. I, I look forward to going to see the doctor. Yeah. So, I mean, mentally, that what a plus that is. Um, the, the medications that I'm off uh, has been tremendous. One of the biggest blessings I've had with this plant-based diet is, again, I don't think I don't think about my dad dying at the age of 42 from heart disease. I, I, I'm not obsessed with it. Very seldom do I even worry about anything like that because I know I'm doing everything that I possibly can to avoid that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, shame on you if you know what you should do and you don't do it. And it's not always easy. And yeah. it's still, I still get temptations today with the, the foods, but yeah. you just got to sit there and, and remember what it was like. And I don't want to go back there. Yeah. Um, but my wife, she went plant-based when I did. God bless her. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a commitment that she made as well. Um, I've got, uh, like Dr. said earlier, I've got four kids, uh, two of which are plant-based now because they saw what, what, what it did for me and how it changed my life around. Um, so it's really been a tremendous, a tremendous journey for me. 
And I have noticed this, that there's two kinds of people out there, uh, those that are pulling for you and those naysayers that just will constantly say, well, where do you get your protein? Uh, and my favorite question to them is, well, how much protein do I need? Yeah. And the, the blank look on their face is just, you know, it's like, well, right. come on, if you're, if yeah. we're going to talk here, let's, let's get it straight. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much protein in plants that it's crazy. Um, but boy, I, I do. I look back, it was 11 years last, well, March 16th uh, that I went plant-based. And I have learned so much about the nutrition of plants and, and, and how, much, how much it can do for you. You know, I, I want to say real quick uh, that when I mentioned people are watching you, um, my nephew who lives in Florida, Brian's probably, I don't know, 30, 35 years old now, and I, I very seldom see him anymore. Uh, but he sent me a thank you card. It was, it was I have it here if I can read this uh, real quick. Yes, please. Um, and I, I, it was January 16th, of, of January 25th of 2016. Mm -hmm. I went down to my mailbox to get the mail. There's a thank you card in there. And I think, please, I open it up. And it was from my nephew, who I hadn't seen probably in about five years prior to this. But if I can read this to you, it says, Dear Uncle Jimmy, I hope you are doing well. I wanted to thank you because of the strength and success that you have had with your health. Because of you, my recent news has been turned into a positive experience. I was diagnosed as diabetic. Rather than fear or anxiety or sadness, I have attacked it head on with diet and exercise. Using a similar diet as you, the doctor is amazed. I have avoided becoming reliant on drugs, something my doctor was resigned to. So instead of drugs, my prescription is vegetables. I just wanted you to know what an amazing role model you have been. Thank you, love, Brian. I mean, things like that, uh, it just makes you feel so darn good that, that yeah. you actually affected in a positive way somebody's life that you had. I had no idea he was dealing with anything like that. Yeah. Um, but so much of my family has went plant-based. And, and my, my brother-in-law even said, he said, Mac, he says, I'm sorry you had to go through everything that you did but I'm kind of glad you did. He says, but because of what you went through and what you changed, our lives have become so much better. And I think they'll be able to avoid a lot of the things that I couldn't avoid. Um, so I, I just say to people, um, man, embrace it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful journey. It really and truly is. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to have a family that has welcomed every, every aspect about it. And, uh, um, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. So, uh, with that, I, uh, I thank everybody for, for your time and for, for listening. Um, well, thanks so much, Jim, for sharing your story. Um, I don't know, another amazing story. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say sometimes the, the number of people that we see in the ER with your symptoms, I mean, verbatim, the exact words that you said, I mean, what you said about the feeling in your foot when you go to sleep at night is classic medical school textbook. You know, the pain in the leg, it's a gnawing pain. Um, the person knows instinctively to hang the leg over the bed so that the blood flow can continue down into the limb. And, and you know, because it can't reach the extremities because the vessels are so narrow from the, the disease in the vessels. And so many people, I think peripheral arterial disease affects about 9 million or so in the mm -hmm. US. Um, 
and just for the audience, peripheral arterial disease is when the vessels that go to your extremities, your arms and your legs, when those narrow, right? So we generally think of when that happens to the heart, we call that angina or our heart attack. If the blood flow is less enough or small enough for the vessels, for the cells to die, the myocardium to die. If it goes to the brain, the same thing happens. That's what's called a stroke. Um, but when it affects your limbs, your extremities, that's called peripheral arterial disease. And so many things you touched on. Uh, one, I want to start with, by the way, I love your sweatshirt, Kale. I said, <laughs> initially you. I thought, <laughs> initially I thought, oh, that must be Yale. No, it's Kale. Um, <laughs> that's as close to Yale as I'll ever come. <laughs> but what I, what I want to ask you is, um, you mentioned you opened the fridge and you got a ton of stuff in there. So what do you eat? You know, because when somebody first hears what you say, it's, you know, what could a person possibly eat? So tell us the variety of things you eat. What is a typical breakfast, lunch, dinner, or, or whatever, however many meals you have in a day? Okay, my, my, my standard breakfast, my go-to breakfast is oatmeal. Um, and I believe that the, the benefits of eating oats is phenomenal. I mean, it keeps your cholesterol in check. It's just a wonderful food. Um, and, and I'll have old-fashioned oatmeal. Uh, every day, and I'll put two tablespoons of flaxseed in it. Flaxseed meal, I get to that. Don't get the regular flaxseed because that stuff is it's too too big, too much for your system. But the flaxseed meal, I'll put two tablespoons of that in it, and I'll sprinkle blueberries on it. Uh, so I'm getting some berries, I'm getting some whole grains, I'm getting some flaxseed. Um, uh, another thing I discovered is I eat dry oatmeal. And sometimes I'll have this not only for breakfast, but I'll have it for snack at night. I'll take red grapes, cut mm. them in half, mm -hmm. and just throw these red grapes in the dry oatmeal. Mm. And at first I thought, dry oatmeal, are you kidding me? But it's a great snack while I'm sitting there watching TV or something at night even. But I just kind of mix up the oatmeal. But I do, I have oatmeal every single day. I okay. just think that's a wonderful start. And the only vitamin I'll take, I'll usually take a vitamin, uh, B12 uh, every day, just mm -hmm. because I know sometimes plant eaters don't get that B12, enough of it. So I will have a B12 every day, but that's the only vitamin. I tried eating turmeric and turmeric's wonderful, but I just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's that spice that you go out and, and, and buy for a special recipe. Yeah. And then you go to use it next time and it's expired, but uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful spice. I know. And I try to eat more of it, but, but it, it's tough. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's what I have. I've got all kinds of fruit. I've got, you know, my fridge is loaded with fruit. Um, lunch, fortunately, I love kale, believe it or not. Um, I, just, I don't just wear it, I eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I love steamed kale. I always spray uh -huh. some, I just steam it up in the, with the vegetable strainer or the steamer rather, and I spray a little bit of balsamic vinegar on it. Uh, and that's, I have, I'll have that for lunch. Uh, or I have that big plastic box of greens in my fridge. I always have at least one of those. I'll have a salad every day for, for dinner, big salad for dinner. Um, uh, and, and a lot of times for lunch as well. Um, the, I mean, gosh, dinner time, gosh, there's so many deals. There, there's websites, fat-free vegan. Uh, there's so many websites out there with recipes that are plant-based. Some of them call for oil because vegans still use oil, mm -hmm. but I don't use oil at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they call for oil, you just ignore it, you know, yeah. and, and be, because there's enough water and vegetables, yeah. even, uh, stir fries. Uh, there's so much water in the vegetables. You don't need any oil to fry, fry those vegetables up. They're, they're, they do just fine. Uh, one of my favorite meals is Kung Pao chickpeas. I just get chickpeas, put them in the crock pot, 
and the little uh, tamari, which you have to watch because it's really loaded with sodium, but um, and put it over brown rice. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's a great meal. We yeah. have stuffed cabbage. We have stuffed peppers. It's just a matter of what you stuff it with, you know. Yeah. But again, there's so many recipes out there. Uh, we have a pasta night uh, where I'll have whole, it's got to be whole wheat though, or whole grain pasta. That's a must. Um, gosh, there's just so many, so many different things out there that we've eaten. Uh, jambalaya. We had jambalaya the other day. I mean, certain no sausage, no bacon, none of that stuff. Yeah. What? It's, it's easy. You just get in there and play with it. Um, yeah. One of my favorite meals is just a bunch of arugula. Uh, or baby greens, and then mm -hmm. we put black beans on it. We'll put corn. We'll put brown rice. We'll put salsa on the top. Uh, you know, there's just so many ways to go, and make a lot of it when you make it. So you got leftovers. Man, there's nothing better than leftovers, you know. Uh, but a lot of people will say too, it's it's so expensive to go. Uh, I, I go into the the plant based sections in the grocery stores, and everything's so expensive, and it's usually just like four feet. I says, wait a minute. The minute you walk into a grocery store, you're in the plant-based section. I mean, you, it's the produce aisle, you know, yeah. it, it, as soon as you walk in, it's there. Just yeah. load yourself up with as many greens as possible. And yeah. um, so, but yeah, as far as eating goes, we've had no trouble, yeah. you know, making meals. Yeah. How did you, how, how long did it take you from when you first started? Because you were used to, your tongue was used to, and your brain and your mind and your body were used to such a different way of eating, a different relationship with eating. Um, how long did it take you once you started? First of all, when you first started, what was your impression? You know, when you first started making the change, like the first couple of days, what was your response? And how long did it take until you kind of settled into a new rhythm, a new relationship with that food? Yeah. You know, it's funny, I, as I look back, um, I remember that <clears throat> feeling pretty good. The first time you, you start eating this food, I think it's mixed with a feeling of knowing that you're doing the right thing. And, and that kind of helps the flavor a little bit. Yeah. You know, you know that, uh, well, hey, this is, this, this is, uh, this was good for me. This, this is great. And, and yeah, you have the poor me's in the beginning. You think, oh man, oh, I can't, I can't eat meat anymore. This, and that, uh, but I should, the minute you start seeing effects, and it doesn't take but a week before you start feeling better, you're strong, you got more energy. And, and, and I'm not just saying that as an infomercial, yeah. it's true. You start feeling better. And I think the fact that you are doing some positive things for yourself, you're control, you're driving the boat, you know, you're you're responsible for these decisions. I think that kind of makes it a little easier and gives you a little more incentive to try and get through this. And then once you lose the craving for fat foods, which would matter weeks, maybe, I don't know, three to five weeks, I think you'll totally, you don't crave French fries anymore. You don't crave that hamburger through the drive-thru. Uh, you just, you don't need it anymore and your body doesn't crave it. Once that happens, I think it gets a lot easier. You know, I mean, I still get that little guy that lands on my shoulder and says, yeah, go ahead, a piece, one pepperoni pizza is not going to hurt you. But thankfully, this guy lands over here and says, hey, remember what you went through, pal. <laughs> and uh, so I, you still have those, but yeah. very seldom, you know, and I don't think I've ever intentionally broken um, my, my plant-based rules. I, I mean, has there been some oil and some bread I didn't know about? I'm sure there has, you yeah. know. 
Uh, it's funny, like we have a, a wonderful neighborhood. Every every uh, every other month, someone will host a little get together. We just get together, and invariably, they know I'm plant based. They go out of their way to try to make something special for me, and I hate that because yeah. they'll throw some oil in it. Yeah. They'll, they'll do something, and, and, and they they mean so well. Yeah, and and you feel really bad then not eating it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But hey, it yeah. goes with it. But but it gets easier and easier. It really does. And, and there'll be temptations. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but it, as as it progresses within within, I'd say four to six weeks, you won't be craving all that all that greasy food and and, and the sugary food. Um, and it just gets easier. You discover, gosh. Kale. I never, I never had kale. Honest to God, I never had kale before I went plant based. You know, um, it's now it's a bad word, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a brunt of a lot of jokes, that's for yeah, sure. But, right. but, but I just, I just love it. And you can put it in everything. If I make pasta sauce, I chop up kale and throw it in. If I don't have kale, I chop up spinach and throw it in. You put. I can't emphasize how important it is to eat as many greens as you possibly can eat. Yeah. Uh, because of what's in those greens, you know. Um, and how it kind of well, you'd know better than I. But it, it, the wonders it does for your arteries, you know, the lining of your of your arteries, um, it, it's just so important. I know Dr. Resselstyn is a fanatic about greens. Um, yeah, you know, uh, one thing you mentioned strikes so important to me, and and that is the sense of power you get after about a week. You said, you know, you start this, you change how you're eating, and after about a week you feel the difference, right? I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It's how you're feeling, your pain's going away, your mind's clearing up, you have this energy. And more than anything else, I feel, I'm just thinking about my patients in the ER, right? So many people with chronic disease, they feel powerless. You know, it's like, keep going up on the dosage of the medications, keep adding on another medication. And it's, it's almost like you're just waiting for things to dwindle and dwindle over time. And you're trying to stave it off as much as you can. And it's almost as if that's the whole strategy. But here you have something that probably feels miraculous because now you have so much power. Like you are making this choice, uh, not an easy choice and you're, and you're making it, but because of you making this choice, you were, you were like changing your life. That's gotta be incredibly powerful. That, that feeling that you get at one week. Oh, it's, it's tremendous. You know, I mentioned briefly about the, my doctor wanted me to see a pre-diabetes doctor. Um, and I remember telling him, uh, I was just on this plant-based for four weeks when I, when I had this, this uh, appointment with him and my cholesterol had dropped in those four weeks time. I mean, drastically dropped. Yeah. Uh, and I told him, I said, doc, I said, you give me, I'll come and see you in six weeks. I'll make an appointment at the front desk when I walk out of here. And we're going to do my blood work. And uh, if my blood work, like I say, if it shows some, if it doesn't continue to drop, I'll go see a pre-diabetes doctor. Well, that was many, many, many years ago. And I'm here to tell you, there has been absolutely no talk of seeing a pre-diabetes doctor. And that goes to directly to what you just said about fee I The reason why is because I didn't want to go. Yeah. And I made some decisions that kept me from going there. And there's been no talk of seeing a pre-diabetes doctor since then. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing feeling, you know? And yeah. I, I, gosh, I hear people telling me they got pre-diabetes. I'm thinking, oh my God, you can turn it on. You can turn it off, you know, just yeah. uh, help yourself out, you know? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's that easy or not, but it sure seems like it was in my case. Yeah. 
And, and that speaks to, I was just listing the different benefits you talked about as you were sharing your story. Um, number one, let's just start with the obvious. You have your foot. I mean, yes. let's, let's not, let's not like, I mean, you were in a place where you had four vascular surgeries and uh, a surgeon told you that's all I've got. I, I don't have anything more to offer. And the next step was progression and losing the foot, you know, I mean, just, it's unbelievable. Like, and from there you went to, of course, having your foot, but even the picture you sent me, I saw you uh, biking, you're bicycling. So it's not like you're, you're, you're favoring that foot. You're doing, you're walking, you're cycling. Whereas before, even with laying in bed, you were having pain. I'm just going to go down this list. Um, your arthritis improved. You got off of uh, your arthritis medicine, right? You are, um, your medications went down. So you're taking fewer meds and your cost of medication is down. So your wallet's, wallet's fatter. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, your mind, I mean, maybe the, one of the most important things of all, your sense of power, your, your energy, it's very obvious from talking to you how enthusiastic you are. Um, your family, right? Your family has benefited. There's, in my mind, there's no doubt that the other people that were inspired by you, of course, your, your, your other relative, your nephew, I think it was, was given a diagnosis of prediabetes and has improved since then. But there are probably many people that have started without having a diagnosis that have just prevented so many things from happening 5, 10, 20 years down the line that will never show up in any medical textbook, in any report. Um, but their lives will be so much richer because of that, you know? And when I just, when I think of that, and again, for me, it's all thinking about my patients. I just think it's amazing. This is one of those things where the side effects are good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mentioned, I speak at Dr. Russelson's uh, seminars every once in a while. Uh, and, And we haven't had him due to COVID in a while. He's been doing them virtually, but I missed it going to the, to the, and doing them live and in person. But he would always have a few people in the back. They might be some doctors, nutritionists, some medical students, you know, two or three in the back there that, that sit there. And the one, the one month he had uh, two or three medical students observing. And after it was finished, he has a nice lunch for everybody. And I sat down with the medical students and I talking to them and and uh, the one, the one says, "Wow," he says, I, "I never realized food was so important." And I said, "Well, what have they taught you?" And he was in medical school for several years. I says, "Well, what have they taught you about the value of the power of nutrition as far as uh, medicine goes?" And he said, "Nothing." He says, "They've never, never even mentioned it." So when I, it's very difficult to get a doctor to get behind a plant-based lifestyle as a cure. Yeah. Uh, and I get that because in their defense, they were never taught that. So, yeah. you know, uh, uh, which is a lot of times why I realize that if I want to knock down my medications, I have to, I have to light the fire on that and, uh, yeah. and be my own advocate. Yeah. Uh, but I was just kind of surprised that even in the medical schools, there's very little talked about the value of nutrition as far as medicine. Gosh, I mean, what was it? Socrates or whatever said, let food be thy medicine. Hippocrates, I believe. Yeah. 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 How many hundreds of years ago? Yeah. Yeah. He had to do something. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something like, let food be thy medicine or medicine will be thy food. Yes, that's true. 
Which I is, had that little saying, the first part of it up in my kitchen. That yeah. frame one of my sister-in-law gave it to me on my 10 year anniversary of being plant-based. Um, there, there's a, a video out, um, Forks Over Knives, which yeah. I highly recommend. In fact, when people ask me, there's been a, a lot of times where people come up to me and say, hey, I got a friend or me personally would like to learn more about plant-based living. The first thing I do is I give them that Forks Over Knives video. I said, watch this and then give me a call if, if, if that's something you, you'd be interested in. Mm -hmm. Because, oh gosh, people, they don't believe in themselves. They don't think they can do it. But my gosh, give yourself a chance. And it's amazing. You'll be surprised how good you are, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, and just to mention the the some of the pathophysiology, as you mentioned, the idea is that the in the vessels, the lining of the vessels gets injured. And that's when you get the irritation, the inflammation, and that's what causes the buildup of plaque in that vessel, which is then what obstructs the flow, kind of like a tunnel might get obstructed if, if you build stuff up within the tunnel. And the approaches we take, for example, stents, you go in and you basically push the walls open to the side to try to open up the middle so blood can flow through. And of course, bypass surgery is you bypass the tunnel completely. So you, you, you take another street and you come around and you bypass the blockage, um, all of which are of course, symptomatic treatments. You're not actually addressing the core problem, which is the injury in the tunnel to begin with, right? The injured vessel wall, which then develops that tendency to thicken and clot. And when we are on a plant-based diet, that endothelial injury, as we call it, that lessens and that heals such that it does not tend to form that clot back again, which is why um, Dr. Esselstyn has angiograms showing um, not just stoppage, which by itself is kind of unheard of, but reversal where you have a previous clot that improves without a bypass, without a stent. Um, and I think that is, to me, that's where like the power comes from, that you are going right to the source of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and again, that's why I try to eat as many greens as I possibly can, because I know the magic is in the greens, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, um, well, I'm gonna keep doing it, I know that, you know? <laughs> so let me ask you, Jim, with this, all that you've been through, you know, the, the vascular surgeries, the pain that you had and all the different changes in your life. When you hear this phrase, healing is possible, what does that mean to you? Wow, I feel like I'm the, I'm the poster child for plant-based living and for that very, very saying. I, I just, you know, it's not just a clever saying. It's, it's, it, it, it is true. You know, the body is a, is a powerful thing and it's just like you get a cut, it's gonna heal because the body knows how to take care of that. And I also believe the body knows how to take care of everything internally as well. Um, it's if you if you give the body the right the right nutrition, it knows how to take care of itself. And that's why I'm not a big fan of of, of juicing and and, and and this because um, you know it, it, Dr. Esselton once told me he says imagine going to a concert. And, and, and hearing the orchestra and you walk out and say, man, did you hear those French horns? They really sounded good. So the conductor of the orchestra says, you know what? I'm gonna put 42 French horns in my next concert. 
and you listen to it and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And basically I compare that to the body being the same thing. The body takes the nutrition out of the food you eat that it needs. It doesn't need to be blasted with, you know, uh, juices and, and that. But uh, I mean, healing is power. I mean, it's just, it's been a phenomenal journey for me and I, I, I just can't stress um, enough the power of plant-based eating and um it's i'll tell you what it's been it's been a wonderful journey for me i think i'd do it all over again if i had to you know <laughs> but uh and like you said earlier it's sometimes difficult especially at the at big gatherings or parties and things of that nature and i always tell people i'll bring my own food don't worry about it i appreciate the invitation i'll bring my own food I remember going to the neighbors one time, we made these um, collard wraps, you know, collards and brown rice and all the real, you know, mangoes in it and everything, cut them up into sushi size and took it over there. I went to get some and they were gone. <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it was like the first thing that went, you know, people just ate them all like crazy. I'm like, oh. you know, I mean, how do you be mad at them? But I didn't have anything to eat that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, it's been magical for me. It really and truly has been. And, uh, and I do get excited. And when people are willing to talk about it, I just love it because so many times you're into that naysayer, you know, and, uh, you know, they said that don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. Well, I can add plant-based eating to that <laughs> unless it's brought up, you know, but, uh, but uh, no, I, uh, I do. I just get excited when, 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 when people, begin something like that. Uh... The stories shared here are the experiences of the speakers. They're not intended as medical advice. Join our network or simply share your story at healthrevolution.org. Healing is possible.